Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here. We, we say this, we're, we're a church, we're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. Um, we're also a project, we're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ intended the church to be. And so what does that look like today? What does that look like in 2019? I think as we look at America and as we look at the church of America and we look at what God has done is continuing to do, it takes all of us to be the church. Would you agree? It takes all of us showing up. It takes all of us being expectant, and Francis Chan says that this in a beautiful way, it takes all of us showing up to this potluck bringing a dish. Like when you come in this room today, it's like we're just not here consuming the fruits of Aaron Havens. That wouldn't last very long. Like we're here to maybe, God brought you here today to look around and see someone you can encourage. Maybe God's given you a word. Maybe you're serving in Project Kids or up here or who knows. But as a body of Christ, he has given us all wonderful gifts to be part of the body of Christ. So I encourage you today, as God speaks to you through his word and whatever it may be, man, just receive what he's got for you because he's taking you to places and spaces that no one else in this room is going to. He's asked you. He's given you a mission field. He's given you a vocation and a life and breath. And he's saying, go, Go speak hope and go speak life. And this is the church. So, church, you are powerful. You are unstoppable. And I pray today you, you get to realize how powerful and unstoppable you are in Jesus Christ. Amen? I've got um, this one dude on pins and needles. And it's either going to go well or it's not going to go well. He's, he's a college guy. Glenn. Raise your hand, Glenn. There he is. Okay. I was really awkward a few weeks ago. I went and I spoke at, at um, Crew, which is one of our ministry partnerships, and it just, felt, it just felt different. I've spoken there maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 times over the last five years. This time felt different. I was, t- I was speaking two weeks in a row, and I just felt like, you know what, we're not just going to give a message. We're going we're gonna to kind of participate here. So literally what I did is I said, Name a topic, and it was awkward silence because you're not supposed to break this wall. Like, I'm supposed to talk, you're supposed to listen. Finally, someone said, uh, grace. I said, okay, cool. You got five minutes to give a, write a message on grace, and you're going to come up and give it to us. And so then everyone in the room was like, oh, no. And all the college students are writing, and, and I'm like, okay, time's up. Everyone's got their message written. Now let's do rock, paper, scissor. And so the whole room is rock, paper, scissor, and Glenn lost. Like, and he gave us this message on grace with this handshaking. It was really elegant. It was good. He did a, he did a great job. But we met this morning, and I said, man, just, just be ready, because at any time I could call on you to give the message for church projects. So he doesn't know if he's going to give it today. <laughs> but as we had coffee this morning, like I said, hey, here's the, here's the parable. What do you think of it? And he read through it real quick and just kind of gave his thoughts. I'm like, spot on. Like, you could totally give the message today, man. Totally. And for all of us in this room, like, we, we have everything that God has, he's given us the Holy Spirit. And I might be able to stand up because I've really looked at this passage and I've really studied it and I can give us a little more detail than maybe you could on the spot, but you could give this message. And you could give it anywhere. You could give it at lunch break or riding on a tractor or at a coffee shop. And so I want to encourage you today I'm not going to call you up today, maybe next week. 
Relax. I want to encourage you today to know we are in the ambassadors of Christ. And the Church of America is going to look different because of you. God, I pray for all of us in this room that even as we sit under your teaching today, where Satan has whispered maybe lies to us or where we feel inadequate or, God, maybe we feel guilt that's kind of even gone into shame. May all that be destroyed. Because, God, what I read about me and what I read about your church, your people, followers of Christ, are tons of promises and tons of hope and tons of identity in you. So I pray today that you whisper to each of us or yell in our ears if we need to who we are in you. Thank you for today. Amen. Before we get into this parable today, which is actually the parable of the rich fool found in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, I want to ask us a question, or, or Jesus was asked the question already in the, in the verses right before this. So Jesus has already asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus is teaching, and one of the people in the crowd said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in Luke chapter 10, verses 27, this is what he said. He answered, he said, love the Lord your God. We can all say this, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's in response to the question that was asked to him, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? The idea of actively participating in love as something that we do and something we have become has already been established. Jesus said, listen, this love thing, it's not, it's, it's not optional. It's, it's what we do. It's who we are. And this is how you inherit the kingdom of God. It's part of it. Not only in our relationships with God, but in our relationships with your neighbor. To love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is a profound teaching moment as Jesus is there. He's asked that question. And he comes into this and he says, listen, here's basically what it is. I want you to live a life of radical generosity and it's not an option. How do you live out loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, whatever version you're going to read, basically says this, love the Lord your God with all of yourself and love your neighbors as yourself. And when you think about that, isn't that a radically generous lifestyle? a radically generous way to approach your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And so I just want to just ask two questions in this room right now to all of us as we sit here. How have you lived all in with God this week? Like how have you been radically generous with God and set under him, how have you been all in with God this week? If, the, if as Jesus said, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, money, whatever it may be, all of your being, how have you been all in with God this week? And the second question would be this, how has that love impacted your neighbor? Good questions to think about. Let's get on to the parable. As we set this parable up, the context 
This is in a section of teaching right now in scripture in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, where Jesus is literally talking to his disciples. He's like, hey, disciples, come here. And he starts talking to them. So you get that picture. And then we get a lot of eavesdroppers. I know you've been there. Don't act like you haven't. You've been at a coffee shop. You've been at a dinner table, something. You hear an interesting conversation. You kind of lean in, right? And so Jesus is there. He's talking to his disciples. He's teaching them. And crowds start to gather, eavesdropping on what he's saying to his disciples. He's instructing his disciples. I had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem a year, a year ago, just over a year ago, which was incredible. And I think I have a picture um, do you have that, that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, this is really cool. This is, raise your hand if you've been to, to uh, Jerusalem, Israel. Yeah. So this is the weeping wall. And so you can see it in the background. That, that's where, you know, you, you always see people going and putting prayers in the wall and praying to the wall and all that stuff. That's, that's as close to the inner holy of holies as we can get right now. And, and there you go. But what's happening in this courtyard where there's tons of worship going on by Jewish people and stuff is there's also little pockets of rabbis. And these rabbis, they have students. And so you can see, like, it's just he's standing there and he's just teaching and they do this for hours upon hours every day, and it's, it's happening in multiple pockets all over the place, right as this little American boy is walking amongst them and kind of touring and seeing what's going on. You see, you get to literally see a rabbi and students teaching right now. And so this picture, oh, by the way, we're going to uh, Israel next October, a year from now. And so if you look on your YouVersion app, um, is my email address. You can email me if you're interested in details because we can take 15 of us. So there you go. But to see this was really, really cool. And so when, I, when I'm there, I, I see what's going on and it makes this passage even come alive because Jesus is sitting there, maybe not at this actual location, but he's sitting there teaching his disciples and a crowd of people start following around. Well, when I was there a year ago, I kind of stopped and listened to the rabbis as well. So you can see that there's this interesting thing happening. And as Jesus is sitting there talking to his disciples and the eavesdroppers are standing around there, someone says to Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And I wonder if Jesus at that time was like, what? What? Okay, thank you for that. Because now we're talking to a bigger crowd. It's just not our disciples. And for the Pharisees, maternal things were a sign that God was pleased. And so when you would get maternal, material things, it was a sign that God was pleased with you. So if you're driving around in a really cool light camel, that's because God loved you, right? And God was pleased with you. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says this. Then he said to them, after they're interrupted, Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus responds and says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. So there's this teaching and there's this setting that's setting up right now. And the Pharisees are thinking, wait, I thought material things was a sign that God was pleased with us. This wasn't bad. And Jesus begins to change their thinking, and they're thinking, what's wrong with the pursuit of material possessions? And if you want to think about it, it goes back to covetousness. So the Pharisees are really kind of confused right now. They're hearing Jesus talk. 
Someone says, tell my brother to give me my portion of the inheritance. And, and Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kind of greed. And they're like, wait, it's not greed. Possessions are a sign that God is happy with me. And then we get into this parable. So does that set up a good context? Here's the parable for today. The parable of the rich fool. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he told them this parable, his disciples and everyone that's there. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. What I want to do today is I, would, I just want us to kind of stop verse by verse before we get through the whole story here. So in verse 16, he told the parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And what stands out to me in this, and I would love for all of us to talk about this in our house churches this week, is that this guy was already blessed, the ground of the certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He was already blessed. I want to say this. God is not against us being rich and having possessions. This guy was already rich. His ground was already blessed. God is not against us working hard. In fact, I read scripture and I, and I see that he wants to take us and redeem places and spaces and he wants us to be innovators and creative people. He wants us to have insight into deep spiritual things so we can actually find the cure for these diseases and if we're in the medical field or we come up with new systems or whatever it may be. Like He wants to use us to innovate and I think we've got great insight into that and he wants us to work hard and he's not against possessions and he's not against richness, right? And it's apparent in verse 16 that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So we go on to verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So here's a man that's already blessed. And his harvest is abundant. And in verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store. And it's really important here to look. The next two words say what? My crops. I'm already blessed. God is blessing my ground. I have an abundant of harvest. And in verse 17, he says, what, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Ownership. It shows ownership. And I know it's super small, but how many of us say that? God, thank you for my whatever it may be, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. Like, thank you, I've worked so hard, I deserve this thing. It shows ownership, and I'm reminded of John uh, chapter three, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can a love of God be in that person? The first thing that this rich farmer does is say, God, thank you for my, my surplus of grain, and how can I store it in big builder bar, big builder, big 
build bigger barns to store my grain. And I would say that three times real fast. Do you and I do the same? When's ever enough? When do, we, when do we are like hoard? When do we hoard? And when do we see people that need stuff and we're like, nah, bigger barn, save my stuff. Some of us, this may be convicting right here and we can just stop. But then we go on to verse 18 or 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops in verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for your many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry, and have margaritas on the beach in Mexico. Retire happy. I don't think that this rich guy with the abundance of stuff is seeking God in this moment. I don't see a pause here in this parable that we can pick apart, I know. I don't see a pause where he's like, God, what should I do? Like, I already have so many blessings in my life, and now you've, you've given me an abundance of stuff now. Like, I don't see this place in here where he pauses and goes, what should I do? In fact, what I see is this, okay, you know what I'll do? I'm gonna have enough so I can retire. And I wanna be good in the future, not only one year, two years. And this isn't bad to plan, and don't, don't pull this out of here. But listen, retiring, the word retiring means this, okay? And I, these two words are part of the definition. Retire means this, to cease work and to withdraw. And so how many of you, as ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of Christ, in your game plan of life, here, your one and only life on earth, are those two words, to cease work and withdraw? You may stop because of age, vocation, but how many of you in your plan have a plan to cease work and withdraw in this one and only life that we have? That should not even be in our thinking. Like we should have in our mind, like sure, my vocation may end, I may have this retirement thing or whatever it may be, but I will never cease to work and I will never withdraw because this age is closing into dark times and I have the hope of Jesus Christ in me. I will speak of Jesus wherever I go. I can think of two specific gentlemen right now that I know, literally, that they're older, I'll say they're in the sage age, because that's a good way to say it. They're in the sage age. They are retired, if you would. And I get to see them occasionally, because I'll just run into them as a window washer or different scenarios, and, and they, they are retired, if you would. And I see them walking around Greeley all the time, going to different businesses as they pour into younger business owners, and especially Christian guys. They're like, pouring it, they haven't ceased, they haven't withdrawn, and they're making a great impact on this community because they have time to do it. How many of you have these kinds of things in your plan? The guy that already had an abundance really wasn't thinking about that a whole lot. He was thinking about ceasing work and withdrawing. We get to verse 20. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I think of Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what today may bring. We've got to seek God today. And then in verse 21, this is how it will be with, with whoever stores up things for themselves in heaven, but is not rich towards God. 21 is a, is a verse that I think we should all really pray and think on today. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. 
Glenn's point might have been made a lot easier than mine today. And that was, sometimes we can get so focused on worldly possessions that we think we forget about the things of God. How about us? And if that's the case, oh my God, may that not be us. May we look at everything we have as something absolutely beautiful from God and we are at this, this, these people that get to use whatever he's given us to show and point to God's greatness. The point here that I think is pretty cool is if you look at this, who prospered in this story? And that's kind of a trick question because it's not a who. What prospered? The field prospered. The man did not. God blessed the field and it prospered over yielding, over yielding. It did nothing but was submitted to God because it was ground. The man did not. Maybe the best thing we can do this week is sit back and listen for God and let him grow our hearts. Temporary things, material possessions, physical health, life on this earth, whatever we have, may it point to an eternal God and may that be our hope. God, thank you for blessing me. Where we live and what we do, I saw a beautiful picture today posted by someone right here. You may know where this came from. I don't know where that came from, but it was posted this morning, genie jerky. And just saying, look how beautiful this is. We are so blessed. We are the man, woman, already living in abundance. I mean, we're clothed. That's pretty cool. We're breathing right on. So you might need a breath mint, though. We may have a car. We may have a bike. We may have a house, whatever we may have. We have life. And at the end of this, even if it's just the physical stuff, man, we got eternal life. And everything that God's given us is his just gift just to say, man, I just love the snot out of you. And I want you to be super wise with what I've given you. It's not just about you, man. It's about pointing others to God and not missing my greatness in the middle of it. Like, dang, Jeannie, that's what you woke up to? Amen. That's awesome. And this is what we get to do with our life. Experience God, experience his abundances and his love and his grace. And we get to share that with other people. Not worrying about tomorrow, man. Being wise, being, being wise as a serpent, innocent as doves, and pointing to God and saying, God, everything that I have is because of you. Because if I think I've built anything, oh, man, I've lost it from the beginning. It's all God's greatness in our life. It's not because of we are good enough or because we've worked hard enough. Nah, it's all God's grace. It's all God's grace in our life. And how do we use our homes, our house, our life, everything that we have to love and bless others? I wanna end with these two things. Luke chapter 12, verse 29 through 31 says this. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about tomorrow. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that, that you need them. But here's what we are to focus on in verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom. And then I end with a really fun, feel-good verse in Revelations. <laughs> Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. To the angel of the church of Lacedonia, 
right. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness of the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. May that not be us, church. May we not chase after the things of this world, the temporal things, because we may be the richest people of possessions in the world, but God's gonna look at us and go, you're pitiful, you're weak, you're nothing. What is that to me? What I really wanted was to you to seek me after your whole heart, love God and love others. And so to that, I say, amen. What scriptures are you repeating to yourself every day to stay thankful? And are you giving more than you're taking? And the question I want to end us on right now is just, are you taking this serious, church? I'm talking his scripture, the holiness he's called us to. Are you looking at every aspect of your life and saying, God, I was wrong in that, and I, and I repent, I ask you to forgive me of that. I want to look more like you. And I'm getting busy with scripture. Like, I'm getting in scripture. I'm studying it. I'm understanding it. I'm dissecting it. I'm talking about it. I'm hiding it in my heart. Like, I'm in it so that I know what you want me to be and what you want me to say to the world. Wow. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna let this land on your heart however it's gonna land today. God, thank you. Thank you that you have, you've brought us here. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray as we sit here today, we'll be quiet enough to hear what you're telling each and every one of us.